allowing us to see a glimpse of what the future may hold. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, we are here. We are here in a time in which we're looking at our society and looking at our culture. And guess what? In our society, we want peace. We just don't want the peace of God. We want peace. And we want pleasure. We want those two things. We want peace in life and we want the pleasures of life. And we need to understand as Christians that we can have the peace of God, but the peace of God does not keep us from the troubles and the problems of this world. The peace of God does not exempt us from the problems and the troubles of this world. But it gives us someone to travel with us during the journey. It gives us a, a, a peace that holds us together that we don't come unraveled in the time of trouble or in the times of problems or whatever we might be facing. It holds us together. It keeps us. And the enemy knows that the peace of God has that power to hold that saint together that he doesn't go off the deep end. That he does something uncommon to his character. That he acts or she acts in a way that would defy the Lord Jesus Christ. That that peace and that understanding that God gives, we understand we're just going through a season of time and we understand what Scripture says, that this too shall what? It's going to pass. And as we go through these studies of tribulation and, and, and the seals and the trumpets and the wrath of God, we need to understand something. This too shall pass. Because we look to that millennium period in which Christ is going to reign. Now, you, some people say we're at the very door of the tribulation. Some say we're just starting into the midst of tribulation. I don't know where we're at per se, and I won't try to predict because the Lord says, Boy, no man knoweth the day or what? Nor the hour, nor the time in which that's going to take place. But this is the reality of this. The better you know God, the closer you walk with the Lord, you're not frightened by any of it. And if God takes us out, praise God. If He keeps us in, praise God. I know. That he's more than able. When you truly understand the God in whom you serve, you understand from the Old Testament, New Testament, 
tribulation period, whatever time you want to put us in, our God is the same and his promises are true. That's the peace that I feel. That Satan cannot take from us. In the tribulations or in this period of time of trouble, and we often say, well, it's only the Jewish group that's going through this. No, it's Jewish and Gentiles. It is focused on Jewish, but yet it is Gentiles going through it also. It's the whole world going through it, in a sense. And I believe that God, even in this period, has his own people. Has his own people. And I'm not a strong dispensationalist. Some people are very strong dispensationalists. And they describe God in this period. They describe God in this period. They describe God in this period. I serve the God that changes not. He's consistent all the way through. He's just working his plan. He's just working his plan. He's like the thread in a piece of cloth that is woven in. In that first seal that was opened, we see that the enemy goes about to conquer. He doesn't conquer all. He wears a crown showing that he has authority and and that he's able to rule and that he's someone with power and that he's going out to make war because he has a sword. Whenever we find ourselves in war, we're also going to find hunger and famine. We're going to find also people on different sides. One thing about the Civil War between the two states, South and North, was that brother fought against brother. When there's war, people will take a side even within the same family. When there's war, you're going to have delusionment. You're going to have a time of insecurity. You're going to have a time of bewilderment. You're going to have a time of troubleness. You have all this that comes. And it's something that frightens many people. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 6. Verses 3 through 4. He gives us just a little glimpse. I'm going to attempt to take the positive part and show the opposite side of it. That if this is not here, then it's the opposite. For that, as we talk 
about peace, that we want to understand God's peace. And if you don't have God's peace, it's just the opposite. And I believe that during this time, those who are the saints of God or those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ at this time, I believe they will have the promise that God has given, whether it be in church age, in the age of the Israelites, that God will keep his promise to his people. If it is written and God has said it, will not I do it? Let me illustrate it this way. With Israel, they had a Red Sea open. With Joshua, they had the Jordan open. And this may sound foolish. If there was something in my life that was the situation and it was for the purpose of God that he needed to open up something again, he would open it. Now understand, it's not just because of my purpose, it's whose purpose. For what God has done once, he can do it again. The issue is, are the circumstances to glorify God? He is not a respecter of person. He doesn't respect Moses no more than he respects me. He doesn't respect Paul no more than he respected Joshua. He does not respect, he is not a God of respecter. He is a God working out his own plan for our good and for his glory. So in that verse 3, it starts off, when the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. And we discussed that before when we went through the first one, that that word come can also mean go. Can also mean go. And he says, come. Then another horse came out. A fiery red one. It rides, its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. Now look at his power. To take peace and to cause men to do what? Take each other's what? Are we seeing part of that today? The absence of peace is chaoticness. The absence of God's peace inwardly is nothing but a barbaric individual who is nothing but warlike. And that warlike is nothing but a baby having a temper tantrum. I'm not getting my way. And when people don't feel they're getting their way, they'll hurt anybody in their sight until they get what they so desire or what they want. And he says that he takes peace. Now, here I believe he's talking about worldly peace. Peace treaties between countries. Peace treaties in the home. That people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, they learn how to live peacefully with each other under certain 
conditions and circumstances. So they set those boundaries with each other. I'm not saying Christians don't do it, but we also have something else in the mix in that time, and that is the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and in our homes. You remove the Holy Spirit from our home and from our lives, we would have to operate like the world also. I'll live with you if you act this way. I'll live with you if you do this, 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 this. Different with the Christian is this here. As he grows in Christ, he's learning his responsibility, how to treat his wife, how to love his wife, and what his responsibilities are. The godly woman is learning how to respect her husband, knows what it is to make a home, know that she's a maker of home, how to guide her children, work with her children, work with her family, and know how to be a helpmate to her husband. totally different but we don't often see that so we're always fighting for peace even on the job we're trying to please our employer to advance not knowing advancement comes from who from God but we're trying to please them while they have their eyes on that's why the scripture tells don't be eye pleasers or pleasing to the eye to your employer for that only when he's watching you, you're great. But the moment he takes his eyes off of you, <laughs> you're in everything <laughs> that you shouldn't be doing. But then we're trying to please and we're trying to have peace with him for the purpose of either advancement or pay raise or whatever, when we ought to just be doing because we work as unto the Lord not unto man. And he said he'd come to take peace from the world. And when he takes peace from me and my neighbor, what happens between me and my neighbor? When he takes peace from me and my friend, what happens between me and a friend? When he takes peace away from me and an employer, what happens in that situation? When God removes or Peace is taken from us. What happens to us mentally? What happens to us mentally? The taking of peace from the earth. The second seal. One author writes it this way. Between the seals, the trumpet, and the wrath. He says the seals are... What you see man doing to man, that Satan somehow, the Antichrist, get man fighting against man. It's what man is really doing to man. And in this verse it says that he gets man to do what? Kill man. Satan don't have to kill anybody. He's getting who? Man to kill man. Then he says, boy, the trumpets is Satan that's at work. Because now we see it heightened. The intensity gets a little more than what just man is. And then the wrath is God. So you see all three. You see man destroying man or destroying self. Then you see Satan at work with his destruction. Then you see God, the final part. Just a thought. Confusion. What is it? It's a state of disorder. 
a time of bewilderment. When you have peace taken from you, do you find yourself in a disorder? Do you find yourself where you don't function well? Do you find yourself where you're worried about every little thing? Do you find yourself a little frightened because you don't have peace? Confusion sets in. The absence of peace is fearfulness, confusion, bewilderment, and not knowing where the next step you're going to take or what direction you're going to go in. And he says he's given him power to take peace from us. I don't believe that's of the saints. I believe that is of the rest of the world that's going to cause what he says, that man will kill man because they are at this point so fearful of each other, so scared of each other, so bewildered, not knowing what to do, who to trust, where to turn. And later on, here comes this one who acts like the Prince of Peace, the Antichrist, who can pull them all together and give them a security. And he says, confusion is a failure to distinguish between things. And the Lord says, there's a time that's come that man will not be able to distinguish between what? Right and wrong. Now look at our culture today even. Look at society today. Young people cannot discern who really loves them. They can't discern who really cares for them. They can't discern who was really to put an investment into their lives and help them grow and to nurture them. They can't discern that. So in the household, Satan has so divided and have them so fearful, they will believe a friend over who? Because they can't distinguish who really loves them. They think they're in love with some young girl, and the father is trying to say, stay away from that young lady. You focus on your schoolwork. You do this. You do that. Hey, isn't that right, Terrell? Hey, hey, hey. And the whole thing, we're trying to say, focus, but you're going to believe your friend. Oh, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, and you're going to follow after that rather than taking heed to what the parent is trying to say because you don't understand this. The parent loves you more than that person out there who's saying they love you. For the young girls, boy, the young man don't have nothing. Can't even buy a belt to keep his pants up. But yet somehow he loves you and going to take care of you. He can't even pay rent for himself, but he's going to pay rent for both. And yet somehow we get caught up in that. And he says he's going to take peace. Stay with me in thought because we're going to look at scripture here in a moment. Ask yourself, why would a son and a father be at odds and be at war with each other? Why would a daughter be at war with her mother or family? Why is it that the children will not listen? Somebody has taken what? That peace that is supposed to be in their family. Somebody has taken away the confidence of it that you would have in that individual. 
Now, peace is that freedom from disorder. Peace is the freedom from disorder. That's what a Christian home should look like. That's why the Lord says, even about a pastor or a deacon, that his home should be in what? In order. Should not be a, in all type of disarray. But his home should be in order. Every godly man, every Christian, his home should be what? In order. In order. Not in a disarray. Because when it's in a disarray, it is saying the peace of God is not there. The peace of God is not there. And he says that he's come to take peace. It is an undistributed state of mind, an undisturbed state of mind. It's the absence of mental conflict when you have peace. When you have peace, it's the absence of mental conflict. How many of you have had this war in your mind about something? Thank you. God's peace takes away that war that goes on on the inside. That's not saying sometimes you're not praying, Lord, I need direction. But that becomes very clear which way you ought to go and what you ought to do. But the absence of God's peace and, and the peace that's taken away from people leave them in a state of not knowing which direction to go, left, right, forward, backward. They don't know which way to go or which way to turn. And it causes mental Conflict inside. Have you ever talked to people who have no direction? Don't know which way to turn, don't know what to do, don't know how they're going to make it the next thing. They don't know anything. Only thing they know, they exist for the moment. But they don't have any sense of direction. And you cannot get a sense of direction for your life until you really have a peace of God and the peace of God. And when you have that peace, it doesn't matter about the circumstances. It doesn't matter about the situation. God is able to keep you when you have that peace. And Satan, he said, boy, there's going to be something that happens in this time that takes this peace. And when the world does not have peace, the world that troubled is troubled with itself. When a person doesn't have peace, they are troubled within themselves. When two friends don't have peace, there's a mistrust. And they're not a doing for each other as once as they once were. And he says, it's a mental conflict. It's torment on the inside. I have never seen a generation who depends on so much mind-controlled drugs as which we are living in today. 
And part of that, I believe, comes from this whole issue of having a mind at rest. When you talk with people and they tell you, my mind never stops, they never sleep. <laughs> mine is just constantly running, running, running. When I went through cancer, I knew a little bit about that. See, My kids told me I was crazy, and, and, and Tyler corrected me. I told Elaine, you go home, pack your bags, get out of my house, get out of here. That wasn't me talking, and the kids knew it. That was my mind running. When I would stand in my backyard and Roger would just hold me while I'm crying because all the different thoughts running through my mind, I couldn't, I couldn't shut them off. And the doctor gave me some medicine to help slow my mind down, to, to help me get under control. And then you're going to tell me I'm going to be on the rest of my life. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. We're coming off this stuff, doctor. <laughs> no. no. And praise God that after a few months, we were able to let that stuff go. No. We are exactly what Scripture says, fearfully and wonderfully made. As much scientists, as much medical technology, and much knowledge as we think we have, there's still only one person who knows us throughout. Say it again. See, only the Lord. Only the Lord. He's the only one who can keep us. He's the only one who can put us together. He's the only one who can give us peace in a time of a storm. And in the worst situations, he's able. Now think of this. If there's going to be a revival during the tribulation, there's going to be saints who are going to lead others to the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that they won't suffer for it. But there's going to be people that God has to hold together during these days. And when you read about these days, they are terrible days. They're, they're some terrible times. But God has to hold his people together. Even the 144,000 is going to go out and witness or do whatever they're going to do. He has to hold them together. Even those two witnesses that came in that God raised up, he had to hold them together because somebody was out to destroy them. And when somebody's trying to destroy you, it's so easy to lose your peace. And the Lord's going to say, don't be afraid. Don't be angry. <laughs> Stay focused. Stay focused. Go with me to John sixteen thirty three. John sixteen thirty three. Remember, I told you we're going to do the backside. So in John sixteen, I want you to catch it. He says, "I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace." Where's the peace at? If you don't have peace. With God, and you don't have the peace of God, and if your peace does not reside in the person of Jesus Christ, you are a person most miserable. You are a person, whether you want to confess it or not, that is fearful. Because you don't know what your tomorrows really hold. You don't know the purpose that God has for your life. You don't know who you are in Jesus Christ. 
and you are bewildered, not having any direction or knowing what you really want to do in life. Because you are not speaking to the one who can calm your storms and give you clarity of life. And he just simply, he comes back and he says, boy, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Trouble. I don't care if you want to call it Jacob's trouble. I don't care if you want to call it the troubles or tribulations. I don't care if you want to call it trouble a trial. I don't care what period you want to put yourself in. Man has always had what? Troubles. A man born of a woman will have what? Trouble. It's built into the system. No matter what time period we're living in. Is built in that man is going to have trouble, and the only true peace that man has is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And Him alone. And He says again, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And you need to see those saints who overcame. The Antichrist, who overcame the world. Yes, they were martyrs. Less, yes, they were killed. But they overcame because they did not give in. And the Lord says, when I come, will I find any who are faithful? They overcame and they remained faithful and loyal to the Lord. And any of you know, when you're in pressure, the hardest thing to do is to be loyal to the Lord. That's why a lot of us lie real easy. Because we think the lie gets us out of the what? Out of the pressure. The lie t- allows us to escape. No, I trust God and I speak the truth. That's the fearful part sometimes for us. To just speak the truth and trust God. And that's what's happened to happen in the saints' time here. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. In Galatians. That even when you speak truth, your friend going to turn against you. When you speak to your family, they're going to turn against you. When you speak truth to those that you even love and care about, they're going to be ready to turn you in. And he says... I have overcome the world. That gives us hope no matter what part of dispensation we're in. We have the ability to do what? Overcome it. Whatever we're facing. Go to John 14, 27. <clears throat> John 14, 27. He brings us back and he says, Boy, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be what? Afraid. I believe that peace that Christ is giving there is for every generation. Right on down through. I believe that promise will also be seen in the time of tribulation. Because unless God keeps them, they will not be kept. 
unless they know God's peace, they're going to come unraveled. And the saints of God, I believe, will experience this peace that Jesus has promised and has given. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not the world's peace. Not as the world would give. But my peace. My peace. He goes and says, in that word, take, go back to Revelation. In chapter 6, there's a word we have to dig out just a little bit. He says, boy, and another horse came out as a fiery red one. His rider was given power to take peace. The take there in the Greek means to take hold of. To be able to take hold of. To seize it. To remove it. Regular everyday peace and the peace of this world is like keeping the law and, and so forth, that kind of peace. It gives a certain type of safety and peace. When you keep the law, you're not worried about nobody coming after you. <laughs> you're not worried about the sheriff when he pulls up inside your house if he got a warrant for your arrest. You know. When you think you just treat other people right, you assume you have a peace and you'll be safe. Because you treat everybody right. You don't do wrong. You don't hurt anybody. So when somebody knocks you upside your head to take your wallet, what did I do to them? I didn't do anything to them. I don't hurt nobody. We go into our plea of why it should not have happened to who? To me. Because I'm a peaceful person. I don't hurt nobody. I don't do no wrong to nobody. I treat everybody like I want to be treated. And we go through our whole spiel that area about why this should not have happened to me. That's the world's peace. That's the world's way of giving peace. That's built into Satan's type of system for a little while. And it's a false peace. It's a false peace. As a Christian, we know we can get robbed at any time. But we know the one who has given and the one who taketh. We know the one who can still provide to us. When Job lost all his goods, he didn't go through a whole thing. It says at the end that God gave Job back. Yeah. Even when Job lost his children, I'm not saying he didn't weep, he wasn't sorrowful. Job did not lose his mind. (laughs) There's something about knowing God that holds us together, that keeps us together. But that false worldly peace, you could come unraveled just like that. That false worldly thing, you can be frightened in a moment. But when you have God's peace, it brings us security about you. It gives you a hope 
that the rest of the world doesn't have. It doesn't make you exempt from the rage and the havocs of war and of men who want to hurt or do evil. It doesn't exempt you from it. The peace between individuals who bring harmony and you think, boy, I go on the job, I'm working with this guy, and we have people, we don't argue, and all of a sudden everything explodes. And we often wonder what's happening. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Thirty-four through thirty-seven. Slow up, clock. Matthew chapter ten. Get over there. Thirty-four through thirty-seven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Jesus is saying. Don't think that I've come to bring peace. Jesus knew all the way down through history. And he says, because I've come and because you have accepted me, if they persecuted me, will not they persecute who? You. So your life can always be in danger in a sense. And he says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Now, wait a minute, Lord. You're the one who brought marriage together. You're the one who brought family together. You're the one who did. And now you're saying, Lord, uh, you come to divide us? I like what it says about the jailer in Acts. When he was saved, then what? His whole household. Lydia, saved, whole household. What happens when you have a divided household? You have war in that house. You have two different spirits in that house. You have two different systems in which people have been taught. You have a worldly view in which people have been taught who have not allowed their minds to be transformed. They have not renewed their mind. They don't care about having the mind of Christ. So you have this chaoticness in the home. You have one who is trying to do what? Serve the Lord. One who is trying to live out God's will, God's purpose. You have one who is allowing their mind to be renewed while you have the other. And you have chaoticness. And there's no peace in that home. And the reason Jesus says this is because Jesus knows this. If you accept me, you bring division into your home if the others are not willing to follow. Too often, hear me on this now. We, we somewhat talked about this a couple of weeks ago in Bible study about we have to sometimes surrender our kids totally over to the Lord, even if the Lord wants to kill them and take them. Mm-hmm. 
too often as parents and grandparents, we're so busy trying to save our children that we forget just to witness to our children because it's God's responsibility to save them. It's our responsibility to witness and live a godly life before them. Do, do you catch that? Yes, God put them in my care for a while, but I'm not the one responsible to save them. I can't save them. But I can stand for my Lord. And sometimes I got to stand against them because they want to do the wrong and I'm for the right. And that's a hard decision sometimes because we love our children. And sometimes we're trying to take what God has invested in us and we're throwing our pearls to the swine. And our swine is our son, our daughter, our cousins, our nieces, our nephews. We're throwing what God has given unto us to take care of us. We're throwing it to the swine. Now, I'm not saying don't help your children. But you help your children in righteousness. You do not help them in sin. And he says, a house is divided. So when a young man comes to his dad and say, Dad, I need $50, and Dad knows he's doing drugs. Dad knows he's a wino. Dad knows he's not going to do right with it. And the son knows he has the money, but won't give it. Remember those two boys who stabbed their father and mother in Atlanta? You think they would have everything, but what they could not accept from their parents was saying no. And because of Jesus Christ and my stand for Jesus Christ, there's no peace sometime in my home, but I got peace in my life. You understand the difference there? I may not have sometime peace in my home, but I got peace in my life. And because I have the peace in my life, the Holy Spirit's able to direct me how to answer to my children and to my friends, to my neighbor. Because I have that peace inwardly that God has given me. And I'm not confused. Do I help my child? Don't I help my child? Only thing I got to do is look at my child's life and say, are they doing the will of God? Yeah, I'm going to help them. Only thing I got to do is look. No, they're doing the will of Satan. No, I, I can't help here. Look at people's lives. And when you look at their lives, if it lines up with Scripture, do all you can to encourage. Do all you can to help. But when it lines up differently, you hold back until God says, help that one. Go minister to them. But you'll minister to them in a different light than if you just given. And he says, I come to divide a home, not to bring peace to it, but to divide it. 
Now, can you see that in the time of tribulations? Here's the Antichrist sitting up here, and boy, your young folks is following after the Antichrist, or your neighbors following after Antichrist, and here you are, you're trying to live right. You're trying to tell them that that Antichrist is false, that Antichrist is not God. You shouldn't follow after the beast. You shouldn't worship the image. And what's going to happen to you or the person of that time? Or the person of that time. Go to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. Again, just looking at what the Lord says. In verse 29. The Lord says, And everyone who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or children What have you done? You left them. That's hard. If Elaine and I really had to just leave our children, it would break our hearts. But that's the decision sometimes that has to be made if you're going to walk with God. Now, that doesn't mean I'll leave my kids out in the cold and they're going to starve to death. No. But even with my children, they will not come into my home unless they can provide and come under certain rules. We don't drink in this house. We don't smoke in this house. We don't do drugs in this house. Don't bring any of that stuff in my house. What you may do out there. And then I'm not going to house you too long as long as you stay with that habit because I'm not really helping you. And I have the peace of God within to say, no! And be at peace. But he's come to take peace. Because when he takes peace, he causes confusion. Causes the lack of discernment. And I can't make wise decisions. Because he comes to take peace. And he, he says in that verse 19, And everyone who has not left house or brother or sister or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. There's a decision that has to be made. Who do you love more? And sometimes as parents we wrestle with that. What do we love more? Children or the Lord? What do we love more? House or the Lord? What do we love more? Brother and sister or the Lord? What do I love more? And that's hard decisions that God is calling for us to make. And we can only make those kind of decisions really knowing the peace of God and knowing him. Knowing him. Knowing him will always lead us into peace. Knowing him. Knowing that he comes to take peace and to cause all the havoc that he can cause. Go over to Micah in chapter 7, 1 through 7. Once you just Look at what Micah said. And this is during the time when Judah is being attacked by the Assyrians, Hezekiah, and 
they have their king and so forth. This is during a historical period of time of trouble with Judah. But I want you to see what God is going to say here. He says, <clears throat> What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit, and at the gleaning of the vineyard there is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I gave, that I crave. The godly have been swept from the land. And that's what it will look like during the tribulation period. That the godly has been what? Totally destroyed. Remember the, 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 the sea of martyrs that John will see? Boy, with all that being killed, all those Christians being killed, it would be like there's no other. Remember Elijah when he said, I'm the only one? And God says, I have a remnant. <laughs> I have a remnant. God always keeps people who will witness and testify of him. God always has a group of people in every time period that he will keep and he holds to. And they know him. And he says, the godly have been swept from the land. Not one upright man remains. All men lie in wait to shed blood. Each hurts his brother with a net. What this say in that verse 4? That men will kill who? Men. We hurt each other. The question is, am I responsible for my brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Do I have a responsibility to another individual? And the answer to that is yes, I do. He goes on and he says, both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dedicated what they desire, dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a buyer. The most upright, worse than a thorn. The day of your watchman has come. The day God visits you now is the time of their confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Now listen to this. Even with her who lies in your what? Embrace. That, that Satan, when he takes peace, can take peace from a couple who have been married. He takes the peace from them. And he causes the arguments. He causes the quarrels. He causes the disagreements. He causes the confusion. He takes away the security from within the marriage. He takes away the trust factor. Do not trust the neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend, even with her who lies in your embrace. Be careful of your words. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. 
But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. My God will hear me. I'm waiting on God because in the worst of times in which you are living, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Go over to Galatians 4 and look at verse 16 because this is part of what we're trying to do and then how people might react in this little verse. 4.16. He makes this little statement. He says, Have I not become your enemy by telling you the what? When you speak truth sometime to people, how do they take it? As though you are their what? You can speak truth to people that you love, and guess what? They see you as your what? You're out to destroy me. You hate me. You're just trying to keep me from my happiness. You're just trying to keep me from my joys of life or what I want to do. But you're speaking truth. And they're interpreting it as something in a manner which you are trying to harm them or not allow them to do. And it says you become you become the enemy. Because you speak truth. Can you imagine the people in that day when Satan removes peace and they're trying to witness to someone and they only see them as what? The enemy. Can you see why so many will be killed by other men? Because they will see them as what? The enemy. They're confused. They don't know who to trust. And all that they'll trust is the Antichrist, the beast, the image. They won't trust a friend. They won't trust a mom and dad. They won't trust a brother or a sister because peace has been removed. And they only see them as an enemy even when they speak truth to them. Psalm 71 Verses 1 and 2. Psalm 71. Look what David prays. He went, you know, in his time of trouble, he, he makes this prayer. But I want to hit verses 1 and 2. O you, O Lord, have taken refuge. O you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. And in the time of tribulation, only the Lord is going to be the refuge for those who are calling upon his name upon those saints only the Lord will be their refuge and he says let me never be put to shame rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness turn your ear to me and save me only the Lord will be able to do that only the Lord will be able to rescue at that time only the Lord will be able to deliver at that time Because the mass of people will be in confusion. The mass of people, when peace is taken away, will not be able to distinguish between right and wrong. 
the mass of people will not be able to really identify what is truth and untruth. Let me close out with Psalms 37.1. He cometh to take peace. And when you take peace away, all you have is confusion. When peace is taken from your home, from your life, from a society, all you have left is confusion, bewilderment, hopelessness is all that you really have. He says in Psalms 111, he'll give you the desires of your heart in that verse 4. He says, for me, from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. You alone are my refuge. You're the only one who is able to keep me. But look how I'm kept. Delight in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the what? Do you think that promise will change from one dispensation to another, from one time period to another? I don't think it does. Because my desire, if you really understand that, is the desires of the Lord. And he fulfills those desires through me. Because why? They're his desires. That when I fall in love with him, his desires become very important to me. And they really do become my desires that I'm willing to do all I can do to bring those things to pass. And I believe that promise goes from one generation to another generation to another generation, and I believe we will find them even during the time of tribulation. When Satan comes to try to take peace, there will be those who will have the peace of God and still desire to do God's will. Even to the point, as Scripture says, that they love not their life unto death because they desire to do God's will. Do you so purposely and desire to do God's will that it doesn't matter what it costs you? What is it that holds you back from really doing and throwing yourself into the real work of God? What is it that keeps you from really living a Christian life? What is it? Nobody can name it but you. In verse 5, he says, even in this, and, and I think you'll find it even in Revelation, with those saints who overcame, that they had to commit themselves and trust God. And even in this day, there has to be a commitment and a trusting of God. Okay, he says in that 
Verse 5 then, he said, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. That when Satan got your home all tore up, all messed up, and you're just trying to speak truth and you're trying to share, he said, in all that confusion, commit yourself to God. It is not the time to take off running. It's the time to take a stand. And you stand there and commit yourself to God. And you trust God to bring it to pass because Satan will rob the peace and Satan will take the peace. Sometimes we read Revelation, we forget something. This thing is not going to happen just future, 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 future. This thing is slowly doing what? Yes. You hear the old folks say when the creek rises? Well, the creek didn't rise in just the last half hour. It had been what? (laughs) Our creek is rising, and the flood's going to come. But you commit your ways unto the Lord, and you're trusting him, even in these difficult days. You'll have the peace of God. I'm for all getting out of here. Sometimes Elaine prayer, and I'm going to have to tell her, don't rush it now, because she's ready to go now. You know? Well, hey. And she'll tell you, Lord, she'll be praying, Lord, I'm going to dip into your prayer just a little bit. I'm tired of hearing these newscasters about all this killing and what kids are doing and this and that. Lord, I'm just ready to come home. Well, Lord, now speak for yourself. We're praying together, but now make sure the Lord understands what you're talking about. <laughs> you know? You know. But have you ever had that urge, you just want to go home? Yeah. You just want to go home. But what you see here and what's happening, it's getting fearful to go out your door because you're driving down the street in the wrong neighborhood, the bullets might fly. But it's the peace of God that as you step out the house that you know, absent from the body is what? Amen. And he says in verse 7 then, rest in the Lord. I don't think that changes. Even in that tribulation time. Those saints are going to have to rest in the Lord. That's the only place you're going to get rest. Is not resting. You have nowhere else to rest but in Jesus Christ. Those who know him have to rest in him because the world's not going to give them rest. The world may take your home. The world may take your finances. The world, because you don't have the mark, may put you out of everything. But then you rest in who? Don't wait to learn how to do that later. Practice it now. Understand me, I'm not saying we're going to be there, but I'm not saying we're not going to be there. I wish I really had a clarity on that. And we have people with all kinds of different views about it. 
But what I do know is this. My God is more than able. My God is more than able. And then look at verse 8. Because see, you can get caught up with what's happening to you. And what's happening in your family. And what's happening to your friendships. What's happening. And he says, cease from anger. In the worst of these times, he said, don't get angry. Refrain from anger and turn from what? Wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to what? Evil. When you get worried about this and that, you're going to most likely do something that is wrong. When you get worried that you don't have enough money, does it begin to cause you to do things that's not right? When you get worried that you're going to get put out, does it begin to cause you to do some things that you normally won't do? When you get worried about the things of this life, per se, doesn't it cause you to begin to try to secure your life in a way where even if you have to steal or you have to do this? Pastor Travis and I were in a meeting the other day, and a young man was saying to one of the candidates running for mayor that if you don't provide me a job, if you don't give me a job, and somehow a job don't automatically, miraculously pop up, that only thing I have to do is go back to my old life selling crack and drugs. No, that's a choice. That's not your only option. And nobody's just going to snap their fingers and you got a job. First of all, are you even ready for a job? Are you prepared to go on somebody's job? And the whole process is this here, that you find yourself being angry. And he says the anger just, sin, just allows you to commit what? Evil or sinful acts. That's why he tells us, be what? But what? Sin not. Sin not. He says in verse 9, you will inherit the earth. Doesn't that happen in the millennium? We become the rulers. We rule with Christ in the millennium period. We inherit the earth. And then that verse 11, look what he says. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy what? Great peace. Abundant peace. Abundant peace. And in the millennium, we will what? Enjoy an abundant peace. A great peace. See, Satan can't take from you God's peace. And even during the tribulation period, Satan can't take away the peace that God gives to his people. And that's why his people are able to stand up and not take the mark. That's why his people can suffer through whatever they have to go through at that time. Because God's peace is able to keep them. Yes, even though they see a mass of people being killed, yet somehow God's peace covers them. 
God's peace gives them a security. God's peace gives them a hope. God's peace allows them to know that this too shall pass. And you hold to his peace. Amen? Yes, he comes to take peace. He can't take mine. I'm hoping even into little Mark's life, he can't take it. And if the Lord tarries, that little Mark and Kaylee and, and the grandchildren will instill a Christ. And that somewhere in this dividing wall, where if Christians are taken out, the message still has to go forth. And hopefully that we've shared the message that somebody's going to look and say, I missed the train. I missed the boat. I missed it, but I know the word of God because grandma taught it to me. Grandpa taught it to me. Mom or dad mentioned it to me. I know it now. I see it with my own eyes, and it is true, and I know. There's going to have to be a group of people who realize they heard it but didn't respond to it. And hopefully at that moment, what they see will cause them to respond to the truth that they heard on this side, even though they're living now on this side. Amen? Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your word. And Lord, as men will take peace from one another and wars will be, and we will hear of rumors of war, may we not be afraid. May we not, oh God, lose heart. But may we be a people who will stand for you and you alone. I don't know because you have said, no man knoweth the day or the hour in which the church is going to be raptured up. None of us know exactly if we go up to where tribulation starts or if we go into tribulations a little way. We don't know, but oh God, what we do know is this. We are your people. And we love you. And that Lord, you're going to keep us. And even if we, oh God, give us the strength, even if we have to stand facing death, that we would not so much be in love with this life that we would denounce you. Amen. 